Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander and I am joined as always by Mike Morandi and Dave Glantz. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, gentlemen. And this is the podcast where we talk about classic or old movies in a modern cinematic context and review them. You can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, at Facebook at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, or email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. I'm going to take a deep breath. I got through it all. So. That was quite impressive, yeah. That's good. Um, That's and good. on today's episode, we are talking about the uh, 1989 <laughs> classic children's movie, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, starring Rick Moranis and directed by Joe Johnston, I believe. Yes. Um, and this is a movie that was um, incredibly popular when it came out in the late 80s, early 90s, and even spawned a sequel, uh, a forgettable sequel. Um, two sequels. Two forgettable sequels. Wait, there were two? And a TV show. And and a ride in Disney. Yeah. Wait a minute. Whoa. Okay. Um, this is beyond my scope. Um, so I guess I should have read about the movie um, after I watched it. So Honey, I Shrunk the Kids comes out in 1989. Then it's Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, correct? In 92. I think so, yes. But what's after that? Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. Yeah, yes. Was it and that was with Rick? I don't know. I don't. I think it might have been Rick Moranis. Maybe that was it. I don't think anyone else is in it. And then... Uh, and then there was a TV show. TV show, apparently. And I and I and and I do I am familiar. There was a 3D or 4D show at Epcot yeah, Center, yes, yes, which was Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, yes. where the audience is shrunk to the size of um, ants. You know, ants. And uh, this movie is a uh, basically it's a science fiction family comedy film, is how I would describe it. Very niche. And the yeah. and the basic premise is that a wacky professor played by Rick Moranis. Um, has, uh, is developing a sort of enlarging and shrinking ray, and his children and the neighbor's children accidentally uh, shrink themselves using this ray, and then the movie becomes an adventure story of their struggle to make it back from the end of the yard back home and so they can be enlarged again by their father. Does and bigend, make... I think, is and the right bigend. word. And bigend. <laughs> it was a, it's a very cromulent word. Um, Ooh. Um, Ooh. I don't even know what that is. Exactly. It's, it's, a, Simpsons, it's a Simpsons quote. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, Nard license revoked. <laughs> um, and is, th- is that the basic plot here? Yeah, that is I the basic so, plot, yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 And um, this movie is interesting to me because I remember watching it as a kid, but I wasn't... Uh, I don't think it was one of my favorites that I returned to. Mm. I said I had a funny story about this series is because I saw Honey, I Blew Up the Kid when I had fifth disease, which is this re- really rare disease that young children can get when they're um, like, you know, you know, uh, elementary school age. It's and called fit? It's called fifth disease, fifth I disease. think. Can you spell that? Fifth? I, like no number? idea. I just know I had this really rare disease. My parents thought I had the chicken pox again. Oh. I ended up getting this really rare disease. And where you, had... so to speak, blew up? <laughs> well, I mean, the disease was so severe that, like, I was almost hospitalized for a fever, and they had no I'm idea. Sorry. They thought I was going to... Wow. <laughs> like, they, like, they really had no idea what was wrong with me. And my parents, in an effort to calm me down because I was having hallucinations, I was, I was hallucinating while on this heavy fever. Put on honey, I blew up the kid. And, wow, and the that thing, helped, I'm sure, right? Brought you back down. Like a David Lynch movie, or but something. it was it was Lynchian in a lot of ways when you think about it. But the it's most amazing thing is while while 
under this fever, hallucinating, I remember thinking, this is a really bad movie, <laughs> even at the time <laughs> that I was going through all even of this. Even under the influence of Fifth's Disease. Well, you know, and know the interesting thing about being sick and watching movies is that I, I prefer to watch movies that I don't love because of that clockwork orange effect where you watch a movie that you really like and then you're sick and then you watch it again and maybe you feel a little like, oh, why do I feel kind of ill? Okay, here, well, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I wanna We're getting it. way off track. I want to, I want to, before <laughs> we get really off track, I want to read what Fifth, it's called Fifth, like Fourth and fourth, fifth. And fourth. Okay. Fifth. okay. It is, is, a, is a especially common in kids between the ages of five and fifteen. Uh, a distinct red rash in the face that makes the child appear to have a slapped cheek. Oh, the, wow. the rash then spreads. Is that what your parents blamed it on? They thought it was a. Chi- they thought it was chickenpox again, uh, and it ended up okay. giving me this like crazy fever. Anyway, that's Welcome what the NPR science. Yeah, part. yeah. You learn everything on this podcast. We we bring it all to you. You don't even have to go anywhere. You don't have to leave so, your house. I'm actually. I was really excited to revisit this movie because I know it was so popular, and I know it had such a. I mean, obviously, it was so popular to spawn so many sequels. So, um, I'll start with you, Mike. First, did you grow up watching this movie? And um, now that you've revisited it, does it hold up? You know, oftentimes we talk about kids' movies in such affection, and then we watch them as adults, yes. and it's yes. like, what the hell were we thinking? This is this is so, one reason why I wanted to, I wanted to watch this movie. So I, I have seen this as a kid. This is like maybe the, the second one, the second movie we've watched that I've actually seen as a kid. Um, it is actually one of my, my childhood favorites, and I, I know I have this tends to be an effect of people who watch a movie as a child like one perfect example is Goonies mm-hmm. I think people have seen Goonies I saw it in college and like, I hated it mm-hmm. and everyone I've talked to about it is like you have no heart you are not mm-hmm. human like that's a right. classic movie and you missed it probably by about five or six years <laughs> <laughs> and like it was I just and I, I'm curious if that's like if we tend to watch movies as a kid and we're kind of like colored by our, our youthful sense of wonder oh, that as adults because and I know Dave you seem to kind of go into this you were like grumbling, so I, I'm curious what you think about it. But um, yeah, I, I have seen it when I was a kid. Um, I think it's brilliant. And again, I saw it recently, probably a couple of years ago, and I saw it again when we watched this. And I'm, I, I think it holds up. I think it holds up really well. Um, oh, I mean, some some special effects, not so much. I mean, you got you got to take it with a grain of salt. You can't compare this to the things we've watched previously. This is not a high work of art. But as far as entertainment, mm-hmm. um, and I think like just good writing, I, I I like the writing. I like the script. I like the way the plot moves. I love the characters. I love every single character in that movie. So nostalgia has stayed yeah. very steady for you. It hasn't affected you. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it, and and this is like something I'm curious. About. I'm not sure if it's if it's just nostalgia or it's because I've been inundated as a kid that I like it or if I am legitimately liking a movie that has meritable qualities to it. And I, I I think it is. Like I think I think some of the lines are great. I think some of the some of the characters are phenomenal. Rick Moranis is I think he's he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um the next door neighbor, uh Nick Nick Fru- Fru- yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I thought he was hilarious. I mean, I, th- I think they did a good Should job. Should I know who that is, by the way? Matt Frewer is in uh, Orphan Black. He's an actor. Yeah. He's probably most famous for playing Max Headroom. Yes, Max Headroom. Yeah. Oh, he's, okay. That's he's, interesting. He's the guy. He was very unrecognizable, obviously. <laughs> <as> Max <laughs> Headroom. Oh, that's very interesting. And if you watch Orphan Black, I don't. But I just I, I saw it on his IMDb page. He's one of the characters in that yeah. show too. So he was in Fifty Fifty. If you saw that movie, is one of the cancer. What did he? Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. He's looking old and yeah. haggard. So now. he's still he's still working. Yeah. Okay. So Dave, go ahead, take it away. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So it, this movie came out in the summer, uh, in, a, in one of these summers where I think I was probably starting to pay closer attention to the quality of summer blockbusters. Wait, and it came out the same. It came out the summer by bar mitzvah. It was nineteen eighty nine. 
So that's a you fact. You were 13. And I was 13. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. Good job. And Came uh, a man. So we had, uh, last summer we had Batman, we had Indiana Jones yes. and The Last Crusade. It's a we, big summer. And we had uh, mm-hmm. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I think those were the big movies that summer. Yeah, it came out, I think it was second in the box office. The first was right. uh, Batman. Surprise. Probably Batman. And Indiana Jones was in there somewhere. But I, yeah. I think, it, you know, of the three, Indiana Jones was by far my favorite. And uh, it still probably is. But I think I saw it, and the reviews at the time were honestly were not that great for Honey I Shrunk the Kids. And if you go back, I mean, and look at if you go look on Rotten Tomatoes, they're they're okay. I mean, it's, it's a fresh, yeah, it's, it's a fresh. But there wasn't Rotten Tomatoes in 1989. Right, right. You know, it's people like, going back now. Looking but again. so uh, I, I, the reviews that I did, you know, like the three newspaper reviews that I wrote <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I thought it was okay back then. It kind of forgot about it. It's just. You know, I I perfect to be perfectly honest. I've never been a huge fan of don't say Disney it. Disney okay. family Di- Disney live action movies. What were you gonna say? Don't say. I thought you were say don't. You weren't a fan of Rick Moranis. So we were oh no 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 no! I've always we're gonna have a fist no, 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 fight. No no no! Right? no. <laughs> I don't think any of us are gonna debate Rick Moranis here. I think uh, Rick Moranis is he was a good actor. He had uh, and and 1989 was a good year for him. He had uh, Parenthood. The movie Parenthood came out. He he was. Uh, Pretty good in that. It was a mm. decent Ron Howard movie that came out that Ghostbusters year. Ghostbusters was what? Ghostbusters 86? was 84. 84. And this was Ghostbusters 2 came out in 1989. Right. So right. there was another, yeah. another, another uh, part of that big summer. Uh, so, yeah, he was in Spaceballs. Uh, right. He was, yep. you know, he's, That's what got him the job, actually. I think it was uh, they were um, interviewing Chevy Chase for the role. Then it was okay. then it went to John Candy. And John Candy's like, hey, I know a guy. Yeah. No, no. Rick Moranis is, yeah. is perfect for like a nebbishy, you know, uh, inventor and goofy in the in the in the tradition of like the nutty professor or the absent-minded professor or any mad scientist, you could think Doc Brown and Back to the Future. Yes, those yeah. kinds of guys. So he was, you know, he was just he was fine, and he's he was very good. I would say uh, the kids were all, I would say, good to adequate. And Matt Frewer was was funny. He reminded me of Jim Carrey a little bit. Uh, and yeah. and you know, in the story. So here's what I, here's the way I watched. It. I watched it with my family last night. My parents had came down from Pittsburgh. We watched it all together. Perfect. My, my wife watched it. And, uh, you know, we all, for the most part, enjoyed it. And my dad, you know, at the end of the movie, he says, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with this movie. And I was like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know, I guess. And I'm like, well, does it really... And then we were like, does it really go that far beyond? I mean, that is the best box quote. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing I wrong didn't with hate it. this movie. No, no, well, no, we didn't go that far. I mean, it, no, we just said, that, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. It's like, there's no, there was no, there really weren't any wasted scenes and, um, it, it was it moves moves along nicely. Uh, it, you know, it's a harmless movie, um, so it's not. I was expecting worse, and so I would say that no, it's not a classic. I, I wouldn't call it brilliant, but I would say that yes, it's a, it's the kind of movie you could probably show kids. I think there, there's every so often there's a, there's the rare family kids like good for everybody kind of movie, which would, there are a few that I think really hold up really well. And um, I would argue that Babe is is the prime example for me, at least. It's a movie I saw when we I was... We need to watch that, because I don't think I've ever seen it. Babe is a fantastic movie. And wow, you really keep hyping this. I know. Movie, I, yeah. I'm hyping it up a little too much. Babe was maybe. on the crew, actually, but, I think. But the... I, have you guys not seen Babe? I've, I've never s- seen it all the way through. Oh, my God. I've seen parts. I know fantastic. it was nominated for Best Picture. Yes, it was nominated. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it was nominated really? for Best Picture. Really? Yes. What the Babe. Wow. Well, there okay. were... Yeah. Uh, um, so... Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I had to say to start with. I, I would, you know, I mean, I like Rick Moranis, and uh, I thought Moranis, it was... Moranis, don't... You know, yeah, no, no, I think, come on, I'm not my... Said, oh, I thought you said Rick Moranis, and Rick, I was like, leave the guy Rick alone. Moranis. No, he I mean, his he's, last name he's, 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 you know, I have a, a, 
good the big soft spot for Rick Moranis. I, I was always sad that, to hear that he was retiring from acting. Yeah, his wife had breast cancer, and then he and he just had to raise a family. So, uh, yeah, I miss that guy. Yeah, I do, too. and I really do, and especially watching this movie, especially on the tale of uh, 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 Ghostbusters a couple weeks back. Mm-hmm. Like, there, I, I, he's just got such a, I think, just a great instinct on what's funny, and a lot of it is yeah. like gestural and just like visual yeah. too, like. And just he's a like good the last physical movie. comedic actor, yeah, and he's also like, but he's very, very likable too. Mm-hmm. I thought he worked because mm-hmm. he wasn't as like nerdy and creepy in this one. Mm-hmm. He was like a likable everyday guy, and I think he, right. he does that well. Although they do get him in a creepy helmet again. Yeah, I was just gonna say, and the scene where I think they saw him in Ghostbusters, like, hey, could you do another helmet scene? Because you were fantastic. Well, I mean, that's kind of a trope in all of his right. movies. You think about Spaceballs and like oh, he likes right. yes. weird. Oh yeah, more helmet. Him in weird <laughs> dark helmet, dark helmet is that's his character. Much, uh, yeah, so he that's his thing. Uh, I'll just really quick. Before he owns it. He owns it. Before you go, I'll just say the special effects. There is some definitely some charm to watching the you know more old school special effects, and um, you know it's it, it it pulls me out a little bit to watch stop motion animation. I have to admit, although as much as you know, I really admire the, the craft of it. Um, but uh, and you know the green screen work is obviously as good as they could do it in 1989. It's actually, blue screen at the time. Blue screen, probably. Which yes, is, you're right. Geez. You're right. Um, so I think the special effects were probably as good as they could be. Um, what I admire most about them were just the uh, the ideas behind a lot of the the effects. You know, um, having to escape from a trash bag and and a broom, having to run away from a broom, mm. and you know, having to jump over a nail and that kind of stuff. Like all that stuff was creative. I thought yeah. so. Uh, meh. meh. So the meh review. <laughs> um, <laughs> We so, swap this week. I think it's usually the opposite. Yeah, they're like, this is a great movie. And I'm like, ah. well, it depends. Depends on the movie. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Um, my wife was a big fan of this movie as a kid, so she actually watched this one with me, and she thoroughly enjoyed it again too. And she said it held up better than she thought it was going to, which mm. is interesting uh, that you mentioned the same thing. Uh, I think this movie is pretty solid, actually, uh, mainly because I was impressed by how well the special effects held up. I know you were talking about a lot of it feels dated, but some of it looks really good to me. And the other the other thing is I'm always, like like you're saying, admiring the craft of practical effects. Even the practical sets that had to have been built mm-hmm. for them to, you know, exist yeah. in this world. I mean, how much fun would it have been to be oh, on the crew? Man. Oh, like, sure. Building like these. Ins- and, you know, if, if you go to, I forget which Disney park it is. Oh, they have one the, of them had. Well, I don't know if they still do. They had they a do. set. They like, have oh, the old set. Yeah, which is great. Which is I don't awesome. know if it's the same set or if they just recreated something. They created but, a playground when it's, yeah. like, it's like a takeoff on it. So you're like right. inside the grass and there's the giant Lego oh, pieces. That's so cool. And I feel like this is the first movie maybe that I saw that actually did this where it was a. Like a small, you know, get shrunk down. You're in a gigantic mm-hmm. set. Of it. I, I there were movies, there were movies in the past. Either, I can't think of. I, I, yeah. Well, what about that yet. movie where people got shrunk into the body, like the ultimate? oh oh yes, inner space, inner space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. good movie. So Actually. it's just like um, Dennis Quaid, Martin Short. <laughs> I think that. I think that the movie really holds up in that regard. Even some of the screen effects where, like, they're flying the bumblebees. The bee, yeah, there's a I couple was, parts that I, were a little bit... Mm. It, but even when I was watching that, I'm like, this is still... Like, I can imagine in 1989 this being a really amazing set piece. Like, this is really cool yeah. they managed to pull this the off. The bee, and, I think, cost $30,000 to make the bee. And they put, like... And they had figurines on the back that were also, like, sculpted to look just oh, like... Yeah. And the way they like, composited that <laughs> yeah. with, like... They got these wide-angle lens shots of Rick Moranis' nose. And his face is especially hilarious. Oh, it, like, in, like, yes. weird magnification. Which yeah. they they played up to the nines in the film, and then you know I, all that coming together, I thought was really really cool. And there's a, there's a lot of imagination that goes into the movie because, and I think that's why kids liked it or identified it with it so much is 
the idea that if you go into your backyard, there's an entire subterranean world. Yeah. That is, there's an adventure yeah. right in your backyard. And mm-hmm. I think that idea is, at least for me, sparks a lot of imagination in my head. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what really, you know, kids latched onto. It's like, you know, there's tunnels and there's there's huge, huge caverns that are everywhere when you and what, what I think the they do so well is they go so into detail like there's so many like things where like the, the cookie like, and if you look at the cookie it's got such great detailing on it like mm-hmm. they, <laughs> they went into like the, the um, they get to the flagstone in the middle of the yard and it looks just like a stone would look if you went up to it on like a piece of slate and, and I think they like for me as a kid, I was always on the ground looking at like bugs and things and magnifying glasses. So like for me, I was like, oh man, I get to like be in what I'm always looking at. This is yeah. so cool, you know? I remember reading a paper in English. Well, I was an English major in one of my English courses in college and it talked about this whole idea of tiny Tim, Tim syndrome where we as humans are infinitely fascinated by things that are minute in size. Mm. So for instance, if you look at a chair, you're like, whatever, it's a chair. But if you have like a dollhouse chair, you're like, mm. oh my God, that's the most... Look at that tiny chair. It's, it's so amazing. And look at the detail in it and yeah, all that. Like yeah. the idea of miniaturizing things automatically sparks our interest. Yeah. Which I would is, say both. I mean, I think the things that are... Well, obviously, this is the most obvious statement. Macro, world, things macro. that are big. But yeah, yeah it's size, scale. I think like, anything that is, yeah. is a scale that like for so you know in the case of Dickens he made Tiny Tim small and pathetic to automatically make you have empathy for him mm-hmm. and like be interested mm-hmm. in that character mm-hmm. so um, I think that uh, that translates well here like you see a gigantic broom that they're running away from you like that's so cool it's a gigantic mm-hmm. yeah. broom and all that kind of stuff or that's the way the floor would look with all the detail and texture which is mm-hmm. so the, much the fun the one and I'm, I, I'm not sure if, if the scale is consistent throughout the movie it I feel like and, it does um, change and I feel like sometimes they're smaller and sometimes they're bigger, they're bigger yeah and, um, that, I mean it was experimental technology the shrink ray it wasn't really fully reliable very unstable very that's unstable true. you know it was blowing up apples you know yeah <laughs> so you never know I just needed a baseball to stop it um <laughs> Uh, the one gripe I have with the film... Um, you both only have one gripe with well, the film. I mean, All right, let's go. <laughs> no, I mean... I, I, I the think, one you're thinking of right now. Yeah, that's a good That's a good way to phrase it. The one that the one that kind of nipped at me the entire time is I wish the family was more broken at the start of the movie. That's something so I never that really the, bought. The, so yeah. that the end catharsis between everyone was more emotionally affecting. Mm-hmm. So the movie starts I think that all the the thing is I think all the pieces are there like they they have it there it's just it, it doesn't go it doesn't yeah. go far enough I want I wanted Rick Moranis and his wife to have a, like a huge coming together in their search for their children mm-hmm. and I I think they established that they're having trouble in the relationship, but it, but it wasn't bad enough. When they're on the phone, it yeah. wasn't like they just had a big. It was kind of like, "Hey, how's it going?" Sorry, it was about a little that. too kind. Cool. Yeah. It would be so much better if they hadn't talked for weeks and oh, she yeah. had moved out entirely, and they were mm. they were already planning for having a divorce. Like they were, you know, they were thinking about having a divorce and all that. Yeah. He's too obsessed with his work and blah right. blah and blah. I could, yeah, and I think the pieces were. You're right. The pieces are there, and I see. I think it was. It wasn't maybe it wasn't executed as strongly as it could have been. Or they didn't take it to enough of an extreme to make it. And even with yeah. the neighbors, you could have made their. Obviously, they don't like each other, and they come together at the end. You could have made that even bigger. Like I think. Oh, I think they, I think I got that. I'm just yelling at him through the window. It's mm-hmm. a landscape. It's a Saturday. You know. Yeah. I think there's enough of that tension. Even maybe, the whole like looking over like weird family. I think that yeah. that tension maybe was fine. Even, but, maybe maybe that my biggest thing is I think that the wife and Moranis needed to have more yes, of a problem, I agree with you and there. they needed to have more of a coming together at the end because I think that it would have made it more interesting when they're both looking around in the yard yeah. uh, on a. But I, my favorite thing is he is able to whip up the most incredible contraptions instantaneously to, to search for... <laughs> well, he's your traditional movie mad scientist or yeah, mad scientist. Yeah. I don't know if you call him a mad scientist, but goofy scientist, eccentric scientist. Right, right. Which is another um, live-action Disney 
children's film trope, like the right. nutty professor right. and yeah. um, uh, the absent-minded professor. Sorry, the ab- sorry, the absent-minded professor. Yes. That's what I was looking the for. The professor with yeah. Jerry Lewis. Yes, that's the one. And, absent-minded and professor and uh, the sequel with Robin Williams, Flubber. Oh right, uh, and then. <laughs> He's also he's also got a little bit traces of Doc Brown in him from sure, the yeah. Back to the Future series right. and stuff. Not and nearly I think, as eccentric. <laughs> I think there's something about 1980s movies where technology was at this cusp, where if you just put a computer in a room, automatically it looked high tech, mm-hmm. and you strapped a bunch of stuff to things. Yeah. And it's just yeah. the way that you could production design. Like I think that the aesthetic of high tech has changed so much in movies. It looked like a Gatling gun or something. I mean, yeah, yeah, like yeah, a yeah, minigun. Yeah. Yeah. Because like you know, if this movie's made today, Wayne Zelinsky's laboratory is going to be all flat screens and hologram. Yeah, touch yeah. Screens touch and all that kind Tony of stuff. Stark style. With very yeah. Tony Stark and yeah. Iron Man, yes. and it's it's interesting to me to see how um, technology has become less scrappy. I think that's the word I'm looking yes. for. And DIY, Cleaner. and now it's all very clean. It's everything's modeled off an Apple computer and mm-hmm. how it looks. Right, I think and Apple. That is, yes. that is some that 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 means it's high tech. Mm-hmm. And I, I I kind of that's one thing about this movie that I really you know it was it was wonderful to kind of see that world again. And I like that because yeah, I feel like nowadays every every nowadays everybody has a very sleek lab. Like Tony Stark, at some point I'm I'm looking like when did he have the time to build this beautiful lab? Like how did he? I like looking for me. I think it's more realistic to have something that's a little more chop shop like circuit bare circuit boards and like wires hanging down in these mm-hmm. like second or third world dials that look horrible like I think that there's something about that that's more believable if some guy was building a shrink ray in his attic mm-hmm. it would look like that yeah you know I don't care how oh. brilliant he is you know and I, and I think also it adds to the aesthetic and the, the story of the film to feel like this unfinished scrappy you know mess of a house like I think it says so much about the character and the setting mm-hmm. um where do you think this movie took place? I was thinking it's it was like Northern California somewhere. It's Beverly Hills. Set. It looks like the most settiest right. thing it, I've ever actually, seen. Actually, someone, I forget my mom or dad, actually said, where does this movie take place? And I'm like, uh, Universal Studios backlot. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> that's because The it neighborhood like. looks like, you know, your standard backlot. Like, everything about it just looks so constructed. Yeah, there's never really like an establishing shot overhead of like this, of what it is. It all just... Very, Wait, what are you talking about? The, the house or I the, think the everything. I think the neighborhood looks so setting. Really, they don't really go. That, that is really the most movie neighborhood that has yeah. ever been invented. Wow, I look like at that. The, the, the house from growing look. pains or something. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like the house out of a sitcom. Why everything is kind of just like too perfect. Everything's too so production out, designed, yeah. and there's like you know just the way the shape of the house is. It's just everything about it. That's interesting. Because in my memory of it, it's very like kind of like lopsided and well, that, I gotta look at it again also but. as Dave mentions you never get this giant you never get any sense of place it's right. never an establishing shot like right. you can only see the two houses yeah. next right. to each yeah. other it's like it's looking a, back all I can think is the two houses and then there's like some corp, some place where he's presenting his, his ideas you know that's, that's the, only, the only, time. only time it ever leaves yeah. uh, you know, but see you know it's the, funny the house for me I, yard. I think that works and I think I don't, I don't know whether or not it's intentional they're probably trying to save money and they're trying to shoot it on a back lot you're right mm-hmm. but I think it works for the story because it really takes place between these two houses. The whole right. story yeah. is this very minute story between mm-hmm. these two guys and this, right. this familial connection and the neighborly connection. Mm-hmm. So in some way for me, that's why it never stood out for me. It's just kind of like, yeah, it works. The visually. Yeah. Well, know. I'm just saying as far, I mean, it, 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 you're right. It's probably not important to the story. Just, well, that's one just, of my favorite things yeah. about the movie is how contained it is. It's 90 yeah. minutes and yeah. it, it didn't need to be longer yeah. than that. Yeah. Like, it, it got in and it and got that, out. This movie, like Ghostbusters, I think is very efficient in its storytelling. It gets through things. It doesn't have any wasted scenes. It doesn't drag at all. I think everything kind of moves but yes. it doesn't feel rushed. Yes, I agree. But but unlike Ghostbusters, for me, unfortunately, I didn't feel like anything went above and beyond. Like, I didn't, I didn't really end up actually honestly caring what happened to the I'm sorry to say. Is that because you have no soul? Yes, it could be because I removed my soul a few years ago. So that'll do it, man. I mean, unintended consequences. The kids are all—they're all painted in kind of broad strokes, you know. And 
And there was there there were no real for me no details where I could latch on to them and say oh I, I well get who this okay I'm, I'm curious and I have a de- I, mean, I, have, I have a very definitive answer to this okay who is your least favorite kid my uh, least favorite kid I, I guess the uh, the mopey the mopey hero kid the uh, no, I, I no, liked no, him I liked him too I related to him oh, I was really? fine with that. my least favorite is by far his younger brother no he's great the guy Come from on. The, Jared Rushton from Big the guy from Big yeah from yes. Big yeah yeah yeah. yeah. He is by far my least favorite character. Oh, no. See, I like... I'm actually sitting here, and I, I like all four he's of them. He's so overacts in this movie. He's great and big. He's terrible yes, in this movie. I love him. Really? Yeah. yeah, I did not buy it at all. I wouldn't say it was... T- I, didn't, I didn't think any of the kids stood out as, as good or bad or anything. I just... You know, for me, it was... Okay, so he's the nerdy kid who needs to prove that he has whatever. Some That's another thing that okay, could have been a bit you know, of... And, he's, and she's, the, she's the popular girl who is going to... You know, show interest in this kind of. See, what's, guy. what's funny is that, like, for her, I, I never really kind of saw her as like, oh, she's the heartthrob of the school. Right. I, she seemed a lot more like homey, which I liked. She was like kind of yeah. like the, she was literally the girl next door. I think, and I think responded that responded to the '80s fashion, right. <laughs> which is the a pink, little strange. Yeah, yeah. Everybody had very high waisted pants. High waisted <laughs> pants, like a beige pink color, right. and the, her dancing with the mops. Yeah, I, I did know. like how the two brothers had like, the same kind of hair, except one was blonde and one was. Dark hair, yeah. you know, they're like the spiky, messy, like almost mullet kind of thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the dynamic between the, the father and the son. I feel like you have the, the rebellious son, the kid that doesn't care, he's always yeah. into his own thing. Yes, and I then the son see who's that. like really cool, like yeah, dad, let's go fishing, tubular. I could, I could see that, but it's like all the interaction. Maybe what I maybe what the problem was for me was that. Um, the father would complain about his son, but it was all between him and his wife, and there was like very little interaction of, between Matt Frewer and his son. So yeah, I, I was like, I'm like, ah, I'm not, okay, so I, I understand this kid. He's mopey, but there's nothing in there. You don't. I, I think know. that they could have done the same thing with Zelensky's son as well. I think that they, they set it up that he wants to be just like his dad, and the dad mm-hmm. doesn't really appreciate him like he should. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never feel like that. I I don't think that discrepancy was big enough. So at the end, when it comes together and it's the smart nerdy kid that saves the day by telling him how to fix the ray, it doesn't. It, it should be bigger. That moment. Should yeah, be I, I I say I think again, it's probably at the cost of if they made. I got it very clear that he wants to be like his dad, and I think mm-hmm. his dad is not maybe giving enough attention. Mm-hmm. But it didn't seem like it was like cataclysmic. Like it was. Like he comes upstairs. No. His dad's just kind of like, hey, it how's it going, but it doesn't have to be. It's a Disney right. movie, and, you know. But it's just, there needs to be. You know, and I'm struggling to think of other. You know, I, I'm thinking of the Goonies and Josh Brolin's character in the Goonies, who is, um, I think, it, it, he he was the closest I could think of to this mopey. Like he's he's like the older, you know, hero in the Goonies, and and uh, I don't remember what this actor's name is, and uh, um, who plays what, what's the character's name? The the older oh, brother, Russ Jr. Russ, Russ Jr. Yeah. I mean, he's. He is played by let's see. You, you might notice we're not mentioning Thomas Wilson Brown, right? Who went yeah. on to do nothing? None of these kids went on to do anything. Yes, they no. didn't. They didn't go on. <laughs> no, one of them, uh, Nick, was in Edward Scissorhands, which, by the way, yes, is why I'm interested in seeing that. Uh, okay, yeah, which one is Nick? Wayne's He's a little brother. Son. Yeah. Oh yeah. Little nerdy kid. Nerdy kid. Got it. Edward Scissorhands is a, is a yeah. That he did. Honey, I blew up the kid. Yeah. And that was it. Uh-huh. So and was he the kid that blew up, or was it another kid? No, no, no. no like they have like, like they have a, they have a they have a baby. Yeah, oh. it's like a little baby. Oh. And he, he, oh. They blow up the infant. Oh, great. remember this through my hallucinogenic oh. <laughs> fever <I'm> dream. Very <laughs> lucid. I'm guess there are giant poop jokes or, or diaper jokes. I'm, I'm sure there are. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that maybe the other reason that this doesn't necessarily hold up like Ghostbusters is the jokes definitely aren't as sharp. Mm-hmm. They're definitely not as strong. Well, then I don't think there is. Wit- I think it's meant for a younger audience. So it it's is. Not it's not as witty. Yeah, yeah. It's less adult. But but I think the same age kids enjoy Ghostbusters. 
as well. But I think they're missing a lot of the. There's a lot of subtleties in Ghostbusters that you just like Bill Murray's like ad libbing, right. and the kids not, aren't going to get. And Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. So there's nothing. There's right. nothing. There's nothing really to to kind of dig into really for me in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's just okay. I enjoyed it. Like you can see how it was a hit in the summer, and you can see how families went and enjoyed it. And yeah, this one, another one of those. It's, it's, it's a harmless it's, movie. It's a, you know. but like <laughs> there are a lot of kids movies that like do they work for? Like I just recently saw Tangled again, and yes. I think Tangled is phenomenal. Yeah. So I the like idea of like there there are kids movies where like you can watch them and be like, oh god, mm-hmm. this is a kids movie. All right, let's get through this. And there's some other movies we watch, and I'm like, this is hilarious. Yeah. This is great. And I feel like both of those movies are mm-hmm. kind of falling in the same cat for me anyway. Well, the handful of kids movies that that are that tend to be really good usually are, are animated so I'm, you're right yeah, well yeah. that's the thing uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think that if this movie was pitched today and if it was made today it'd it be an animated, animated film yes, yeah, it, it would be a Pixar film right. and about kids yeah. trying to get actually, back to their I actually wrote that somewhere here <laughs> and the fact that this movie was made live action and practically is amazing to me yeah uh, because it would be so much easier to animate right well create. I mean it wasn't uh, it wasn't unheard of before I mean just a few years prior to this there was inner space and that was you know a guy who was shrunken down small enough to be injected through a needle so so, you know, so he's floating through a body. I mean, there were there was a movie called Fantastic Voyage. That That's was, the other one. Yeah, that was uh, that was it was kind of inspired by. So there were there have been you know there was um, and there are movies when when people grow as opposed to shrink, and so you still have to get this kind of uh, different uh, uh, contrast and scale, whether it's a pe- tiny people or giant people. So I think uh, either way, you know, it makes for an interesting. Uh, visual, you know, and I'm just glad. Yeah. I mean, it's just nice that this movie came out at a time period where they made it live action, um, yeah, right, which is kind of cool because we got a lot of otherwise, it would be hand stuff, drawn, so. yeah, even and, and like nowadays, you would see this be done completely on a green screen set, um, and everything exactly. would be done. They wouldn't and have built the sets, that they yeah, right, 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 right. Well, I mean, yeah, let's be fair since we're all involved in CGI and something. I mean, you, you yeah. know, you're still building sets, you're just building them in a different way, right, right, tactically it, with with uh, physical but objects. It's so much harder to do a shot and not be mm-hmm. able, not have any control over how things are going to play out. Like for the the, uh, the sprinkler system when the drops mm-hmm. of water are hitting. Love yeah. that. So not only do they, <laughs> what I like about my that especially in the movie, actually. Yeah. it's really cool. It's like bombs going off. Yeah, and what's cool mm-hmm. about it is the water doesn't splash like water at that scale. It'll be a lot more viscous. It'll be a lot more like self adhesive. So when it hits, it looks gooier than it mm-hmm. would if at our current scale. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. it's really kind of cool to see. And they had again, they had to build that set. Mm-hmm. They had to put the probably they were like water cannons or buckets, whatever. They had to go off. And if if something like went off the wrong way or didn't go off didn't explode mm-hmm. you're retaking that you got to reset everything like that's that's such a challenge you know i feel like that's such a it doesn't happen nowadays anymore yeah, we rely D- so much more on cg the dvd i got through netflix uh was 4.3 which is hilarious it wasn't even 16 <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. that's was, authentic it, it, it through iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I would have, and it didn't have no special features. I would have loved to see a behind the scenes of this film, just to see like I'd love to see a shot of the set, but with the cameras in the right, set. Like yeah. I, I'd love to see like that aspect of it. Um, so did you guys watch it in like HD sixteen nine? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't watch- HD at a regular SD, but it was sixteen nine. Yeah. Well, I, that- I got the clearest uh, vision of this movie. I guess <laughs> <laughs> you got Joe Johnston's vision. <laughs> yes, <on the> Joe <laughs> Johnston. Well, we should talk about. Yeah, him. let's talk about him because he is still a very active filmmaker in Hollywood. What's he done lately? He did Captain America: The First Avenger. No way. He, um, Jurassic Park three. Jurassic Park three. Well, let's we can yeah. ignore that. One. But the other <laughs> thing, he fall. also was tapped by. He was a very big Disney director in the nineties mm. as well. He did the movie The Rocketeer, which I'm a yes. huge fan oh, of. I like a lot. That's a. We should redo movie. that movie. We should see that one. Do you I've want to do that one it. next? We I would love to do the Rocketeer. Maybe we should do the Rocketeer. I really want to do the Rocketeer. All right, all right, all right. I've been convinced. Joe Johnson, the first director to be double feature. I'm a little afraid actually because I liked the Rocketeer so much as a kid and I haven't seen like it's, 15 years. No, it, I, I, I okay, so I'll, I'll spoil it right now and say it's not going to be as good as you remember. But hey, it's hey, still, hey, 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 save it for next good. week. It's man. still good. 
All right, I, I'm very excited now. Uh, but it's interesting that he's had this career that's been he's not he's not a name director. If you say oh that Joe Johnston film, no one's gonna get it. First of all, his name is unique enough to really like. <laughs> yes, I mean, Joe, Joe Johnston. Johnston. That's about as generic as it gets. <laughs> yeah, it's but like, he's had this really prolific career in Hollywood. He's he, made a, he, he's made he had big a little, bunch of movies. Well, he kind of had this like where he would he was working on uh, like Spielberg and Lucas movies early on, and then more as more like an art director and and maybe. I don't know. He was a VFX guy. Yeah, a VFX guy. Effects and then guy. he kind of and built his way did. up to like directing Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And then let me he go had... through. Yeah, let me go, go through ahead. his filmography. This is pretty amazing because he's done a lot of movies you've probably seen. He's done Jumanji. Uh, he did. Oh, oh man, not like that one. Um, I didn't either. But, but that was but a that huge... was big for its time. Yeah. Though, yeah. yeah. October Sky, which is a Jake Gyllenhaal was okay. movie about rockets. Yes. Uh, October Sky. Miners. There's a uh, anagra- is an anagram for uh, Rocket Boys, by the way. Oh, I had no idea. Little effect. They were originally going to call it, and then. Is that really why it's called October Sky? <laughs> I don't know why, but we, you could look into that one. I don't know why you know that. Uh, the Page I'm Master, uh, which is this... That's a cartoon, right? It's a the combination live-action uh, live cartoon, cartoon okay. with Macaulay Culkin right as he was at the pinnacle oh, of... Um, right as he was at the pinnacle Riding of... Riding the Wave of Home Alone? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he also to... did Jurassic Park 3, as you mentioned, Hidalgo, which is a movie with Vigo Mortensen. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. I have not he seen did that. The Wolfman Rike remake that was Benicio del, <laughs> Benicio del Toro yeah. and he did Captain America oh it was a couple years ago I think he took recent. I think he took over that Wolfman uh, movie from somebody else he's often the guy that takes over movies after mm. other people drop out yeah like we got, direct, we like got that, that Johnson guy let's bring him in I guess I uh, but I just think it's kind of interesting that he is and he's also like you said he's had a lot of roles in a lot of Lucas movies he's had a role in some of the uh, Star Wars movies as visual effects supervisor That's so cool. he's cool. kind of had this very interesting with the old ones before he became a director he was the yeah, before he okay, became yeah, a director, yeah. uh, well, before right, he did Honey, the Kids, yeah. he did. Uh, he was on uh, Battlestar Galactica, the series, uh, and all the Star Wars films, the original trilogy, as a visual effects supervisor. Right. So the uh, old Battlestar Galactica okay. series. So yes, he's back the nineteen eighty, okay. the he's original. Like a, he's like a good journeyman director. I mean, he's yeah. solid. You know? I feel like he makes a good adventure film. You yeah, know, or yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, well, and, in Jurassic Park three is I think like a little unfairly maligned. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, it's not that bad. It really isn't that bad. It's fairly harmless. Have you seen okay. Jurassic Park? I have, actually. No, I have. I All I remember is, I is Grant sucked. putting on his hat at the very end, like his cowboy hat, like I got my hat back. He oh, his hat I, on, I, I don't And know. I was like, yeah. I don't remember it that well, but I do remember thinking it wasn't. I'm wasn't such a bad. humongous Jurassic Park 3 fan. I think I saw it in theaters. I definitely I saw, saw it in five five theaters. Times. Definitely saw it in theaters. I didn't see it that is, is, uh, is Jeff Goldblum in that one, too? No. Or he's only in the second one. Just Sam yeah. Neill and some kid. Sam Neill. Oh, and um, I believe uh, Laura Dern makes a reprise of her role. Yeah, she briefly. Comes, like on the phone or something. <laughs> she she like, literally shows up phones at the end. it in. She literally. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> she phones it in. Um, she's going to be so pissed when she hears that, Dave. That's, oh, man. <laughs> I don't think she cares. No. She got the paycheck, so she's fine. <laughs> uh, my final question about this movie, I don't know if you guys have other questions about it, but my main thing is I. You seem to not think the special effects were good. I thought they were really good. No, I, I didn't say they were. So. No, so. no, you're saying I didn't think. Yes. They were. No, I didn't. I'm not saying they didn't. They weren't good. I'm saying that they were about as good as you could do at the time. Well, I think. And this I think. Movie I mean, it's, it's a, almost a the touch. charm is in the innovation. It's not necessarily in the in the, in the execution. I think in a way, it's almost a, a touch. I think this movie is a very impressive touchstone of visual effects in the 1980s. I think for its time, and yeah. I don't think it's appreciated as such. Do you th- like when people talk about like movies that really did amazing things with special effects early? I don't mm-hmm. feel like this movie is brought up very often. Uh, but well, I if you go back and watch the movie, like say Inner Space, for instance, which uh, which it, you're it, obsessed with, well, I'm not. Keep plugging. I mean, just keep. Say it again, Dave. Inner Space, phenomenal film. 
about a movie next where week. people are miniaturized, and there aren't that many movies where people are miniaturized. And this just happens to be another 80s movie two or three years before where people are miniaturized. And, and yeah. then, you know, I've seen uh, Inner Space, in the, I would say, in the past three or four years, and I remember that movie holding up a little bit better. And it's probably because it's aimed more at adults. And, I, you know, I saw it when I was a kid, and I enjoyed it. And since it's aimed at adults, I saw it, you know, a few years ago. And I remember thinking, oh, this is all right. You know, it's goofy. It's not a great movie, but it's... It's a movie that uh, you, know, you could d- definitely dig into a little more. I just, I'm sorry. Did I, you just someone made, someone made a list of movies about miniature people. Okay, so let's hear, let's <laughs> there hear, it is. Let's hear more miniaturized people movies. Gulliver's mm-hmm. Travels. Oh, of yeah. course. Uh, Way back, the original mini person. Right. Uh, Horton Hears a Who. Well, Horton he, Hears a Who. Oh, yeah. Horton Hears a The Secret Cupboard. Oh, or, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Indian yeah. in the Indian Indian Cupboard. Sorry, the Indian in the Cupboard. Yeah. He's reading it. He can't even get right. the title That's right. That's just one miniaturized guy. Um, well, several, actually. Oh, you're right. Yeah, there other, there other I remember loving that book as a kid. Don't question me in miniature movies. <laughs> You'll be fired off this <laughs> podcast the muse- so quick. Night at the Museum. Ugh, not a good one. Um, <laughs> well, do you think Night at the Museum fills a similar space as Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Is that modern I would say so, probably. I mean, a perfectly acceptable movie for kids and families, but nothing more? I don't know, because you know that's the kind of movie that I remember getting bored with on video and like kind of starting to read something while I was watching it. So uh, at least Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, I actually sat there and paid attention to the whole thing. There's so. a movie called The Borrowers with John Goodman, I believe, uh, okay. that's about miniature people that steal things. It's another one that was a book that was... Um, apparently a lot of children's fiction is about miniature people <laughs> miniature people oh, but what are children if not miniature people that's true and uh, Fern that's Gully true. the last rainforest oh, yeah. hey real quick before we go off the topic about special effects there's this, the shot at the end when, when they shrink down Big Russ next door they shrink him down like mm-hmm. as a test and they bring him back up mm-hmm. and there's something weird even as a kid I noticed and I was like that's that's weird mm-hmm. he gets shrunk back up and then he's like kind of like patting himself to make sure he's, he's, he's okay. not as big as he once was right. well no 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 there's that so he puts his hat on his hat's yes. not quite doesn't really right. fit but no, no, no. Visually, he pats himself, but it happens like really quick. It looks like they sped up the film. I'm curious mm-hmm. visually, like why? And I'm wondering if they maybe did like a, uh, a camera zoom in or something like that. Yeah, and they, like, there was something. And they had to speed the, the zoom in up to make it look like he was shrinking. And I then it just like kind of sped up it. the film a little bit in some of these shots. To, to, to yeah, there's a couple of spots where, like, as a kid, I noticed it. Which yeah. is, as a kid, you're kind of like, ah, that's funny. You know, well, it gives it more of a cartoony effect, which, which yeah. reminds me that we should talk a little bit about the opening credits. That might have been oh, my favorite yeah. part of the movie. Actually. Oh, and actually, real quick, I have to tag on that. I saw this movie in theaters that I mentioned this, mm-hmm. uh, neglected to mention this earlier. I saw it in theaters mm-hmm. as a kid and it um, played before it was a Roger Rabbit cartoon. Oh. Tummy Trouble, I think it was. Huh. Oh. So bring that back full circle. Uh, Roger Rabbit. Oh, oh, Roger Rabbit. Yeah. And speaking of, uh, who uh, just passed away. Like Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins, Bob Hoskins yeah. 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 So no, the credit sequence is actually really amazing yeah. uh, because it's a two D animated credit sequence. It's mm-hmm. got a very zany style, and mm-hmm. it was like I actually read about it on Art of the Title a couple mm-hmm. months ago. They actually oh, featured really? it talking wow. about mm-hmm. the. Um, I probably have that bookmark somewhere. Do you know Art of the yeah. Title? It's yeah. 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 yeah, oh absolutely, yeah. Um, great website that goes in depth on uh, title design. And they did yeah. it all on uh, this movie, so it definitely is a standout for the film, especially mm-hmm. because they probably that probably cost a bunch of money that they didn't have to throw out this movie. Mm-hmm. You're right. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> it seems excessive because you could have easily been doing panning shots of like the lab. Laboratory of him, right. like, but I, think, yeah. but I think it probably pays tribute to like the. I mean, if it's a Disney movie, and a lot of you know Disney's core, you know, is is animation. So I think that uh, you know it makes sense. It also reminded me a little of the Pink Panther opening credits. Yeah, right yeah. Music so, is kind of similar. It's got that. Well, it had like a, there was uh, when I looked similar it up, instruments. It was, it was James Horner did the score. James Horner, also yeah. impressive. And he appropriated yeah. some of uh, this. Is cl- it's like early 20th century. Like I forget what the name of the. It's like a classical score that they use in a lot of Looney Tunes. Yeah, there's a lot. Boy, 
That's Dave's no Boeing. Sound we still have not yet linked the Boeing sound effect from like three podcasts ago, Dave. We're, the, the public is waiting. Yeah. Dave's, Dave's go-to sound effect is the Boeing sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it was a good. Uh, I mean, it was the score was fine too. James yeah, Warner. I think, I, and I feel like, and I don't know if it's because I saw this movie a lot as a kid, but I feel like the score for me is very iconic. I hear certain like I'm yeah, just like, it oh god, stand out for me. It never really. Uh, no? I wouldn't. Yeah, I never. Wouldn't, I don't. I don't oh well, then that's not. But that's not James Horner that wrote that. That's uh, that. That's uh, you're. you're t- I guess I'm. I'm trying to interpret what you're singing. Here. Yeah, please don't. No one can do it. I, I don't even. I, I don't even know what I was singing. Why don't you do that again, just so we can get it on tape? Okay, ready? Ready? Okay. Clear. Okay. Here we go. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I look so excited. He's like, oh my god, we're gonna get this on again. Yeah. I've had well, a long day, man. Maybe. You could have totally sung that for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Anything else you guys want to say about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids before we close out this well, episode? I think I'm good. I think you mentioned something earlier. And I want to say, like, would you say it's a classic or would you recommend? I forgot. You said two words for it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one. I don't think it's the other. Again, I don't think it's anything. I don't think it's high cinema. I don't think it's great art. But I think it's a really solid piece of entertainment. <laughs> I, okay, that's what it is. I would say I don't say it's maybe not necessarily a classic, but I do think it's brilliant at what it yeah. does. I think it is. I think it's comical. It's entertaining. Yeah. I loved it. I was entertained by it. Did I learn anything about the human condition? Mm-hmm. No. Well, but I don't think that's what was its aim. No. Its aim was I will not, say you know. this. Mm-hmm. I would, of all the, how many kids movies have watched this podcast? If only a couple, right? We Never watched Ro- Story. Everyone's starting Roger Rabbit, right? Uh, that's not a kids I, movie. I don't know if I would really put Roger Rabbit in that category. Yeah, I wouldn't Maybe either. family yeah. movie. I don't uh, know. All I know is, uh, given the choice between Never Ending Story oh, and this, this film, my, kids, this, well, my this, kid this, is watching this movie. This movie. Absolutely. And and you know, the way I always I categorize. Think they, I think they're gonna, that's, it's funny because people uh, are probably going to hear that and start screaming into their... Into oh, I my. feel like my if I sit my son down when he mm-hmm. is old enough, maybe like seven, mm-hmm. and watch, watch the movie, depressing movie about a horse dying in a swamp or Rick Moranis making funny faces. I think he's going to love this movie. Right. Even, I think so, yeah. Even in modern day, I think he's going to, it's still going to capture his imagination. Right. And I think that's, that's a sign of a, a successful kids movie. So. Yeah. Right. And the way I always kind of determine if I like a movie, do I, do I want it on my bookshelf with the rest of my movies? And this one, absolutely. I would, I would proudly display it on my bookshelf with, okay. To get judged by by my okay. peers as they come over my This is maybe your most effusive praise of a movie. <laughs> no, right? Ghostbusters was worse. Oh my God, Ghostbusters was worse. Yes, but we all. We just much know agree that you really love Rick Moranis. I, I do. A... I think because in high school, kids used to call me that, like, "Hey, it's Rick Moranis over here." Oh, so they called you Rick Moranis. Yeah, and at the time, I didn't realize so what an honor. It's a very long was. nickname. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, hey, yeah. Rick Moranis. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Rick Moranis. <laughs> yeah, that's not. Or... That doesn't. Really... Can we, by the way, I, I want to express my condolences. I'm sure with that name of his. Rick Mor- Moranis and his Moranis? first name is Richard like Dick Moranis <laughs> Dick yeah. Moranis he must have had it rough growing up so. he's also with short and nerdy looking yep. so. so I'm sure he's he's uh, he's doing fine he's yeah. doing he's doing okay he yeah. live a he's a country life. singer now yeah he's lived a happy life you know wait so. is he really yeah, I, think, I think he released a country album. He's, he's a Jewish. He's Jewish and uh, he released not a, southern, as far as I know. He released a country <laughs> album and he followed it up with a basically it's a Jewish album with klezmer it, with klezmer music yes. and uh, country. I actually bought it for my mom for Hanukkah this year. So nice, awesome. I'm supporting, and it came with a yarmulke, That's which fantastic. is. Amazing. I so, need to, oh my God, that's so interesting. Why do we not say that sooner? That's awesome. So if there's anything I can really take away from this movie, it's that I really miss Rick Moranis. I wish he was acting yeah. in movies again. I don't think it's going to happen, but, uh, you no, know, I heard write an, an open letter. I heard Rick an Moranis. interview actually why, well, I know why he stopped because he was raised his family. Yeah. But the reason he hasn't gone back is he talked about how with movies, it is, he talked about like his life would, you know, it's, if he wants to make a movie, usually he has to leave his home for three to four months, mm-hmm. go to a yeah. location, sit in a trailer, and most of the time he's sitting around waiting to shoot his scenes in the middle. Like, 
movies are so time consuming. Yeah, right, and yeah. you've got to love being on set. He just doesn't love being on set enough. I remember reading that coming yeah, back in the keyboard like, style or something. And, and, you know. With a different face. <laughs> with a different face. <laughs> well, I'm sure he looks different. Who knows? What he, the Wikipedia uh, uh, picture they have is from like 1990, I think. He's not in the so, public eye. So. No, he's not really. Uh, so, yeah, that's. I guess we're going to close out this review. Uh, yeah. If you want to find us on the web, I guess I'll refresh the show as they say so in the business. The preview for the next, what would we decide for the next? Uh, Rocketeer. 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 Yeah. Rocketeer. And then so after excited. that, we'll do Edward. We'll, 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 we'll decide. Okay, we'll, we'll do decide. a Tim. I still we'll, want to do we'll, we'll Batman. I want to do the original Batman. We'll think, Nipple suit Batman? No, 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 no. The Burton no, that Batman. That is not the original. Batman. <laughs> We're talking about the rubber shark Batman from 1966. No, I'm not doing that one. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Oh my god, we would go nuts with that one. I'm gonna uh, I'm vetoing that. Uh, but uh, I think we'll do Rocketeer, and then we'll probably do an old Burton movie. We'll do Edward Scissorhands just to appease you, Mike. Mm-hmm. So. That's right. Yeah. Appease me. Maybe we should go Ed Wood after that to do more. Uh, do a, a Burton marathon. Tim, Burton, Tim Burton. We Ed, should Ed. we should rotate around the table every every week. Someone picks someone picks a movie. Picks a movie. Except me, because I haven't seen anything. But well, I, okay. If we start that, that means Dave picked the Rocketeer. I get next pick. All right. Oh, I did. Wait, <laughs> I picked the Rocketeer. Yes, you did. I don't remember picking the Rocketeer, but that's fine. You were goaded by Ivan into picking it, but you certainly you pulled the trigger. <laughs> you were manipulated by fine. Ivan. Dave, you get next pick. Okay. I I I, I All picked. Right. The, I picked. I think Dave was responsible for Harold and Maude. So no, 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 I don't know. I was should... responsible for Harold and Maude, which is which is amazing. Responsible. You make it sound like a bad thing. Yeah, it's a classic cult film. What are you talking about? So if you want to visit us on the web you can do so at reviewedpodcast.com facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast or email us at contact at reviewedpodcast.com be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes you can find links to do so on both our website and on our Facebook page so that's cool and leave us a review if a you breath. like the show <laughs> alright 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 uh, not that many breaths <laughs> if you need to uh, what am I trying to say oh Mike how can people find you on the internet if they want I mean, to you could I'm a man about town. You can just probably <laughs> walk out your door and find me. I'm a man about town at twitter.com. I know when people are looking for me, and I find them. No, it's <laughs> I'm at, uh, at Mike Morandi um, on Twitter, and then it's uh, MikeMorandi.com. Dave, go. Uh, Dave Glanz, that's G-L-A-N-Z on Twitter, uh, DaveGlanzProductions.com. And I'm at Ivan Kander on Twitter, and uh, you can read my writing and watch a lot of cool short films at Short of the Week. Dot com. Dot com. So there you go, guys. And Lucky Nine Studios. Yeah, well, Lucky Nine Studios. Dot com. Oh, also Lucky Nine Studios. Dot com. Good there luck. Yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> so we will see everyone next time with the Rocketeer. It's too bad Harold and Maude like weren't shrunk down. In, what in the movie? Because then you would have loved it, I think. If, no. If one of them was a, like a really tiny. Cut it, Ivan. Okay, I'm ending this. Cut. So we have to force you're going to force us to say something stupid I think we do that pretty easily on our own without any prompting I know I do well I have a more smart he'd be recording this conversation right now I'm pretty sure he is I think he is that's where he gets all of his material it's us like being idiots beforehand